What is it, Lord, that I'm hanging on to that, that I think will bring me what only you can bring me? We hang on to stuff thinking that it's somehow going to bring us, God, what only you can bring us. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, another gathering uh, that we're here, and Lord, the burden on my heart right at this moment is that we would never take these opportunities lightly uh, to come together, uh, to feast together on Your Word, to be transformed by Your Word. And so, Father, go in a powerful way right ahead of us. Uh, we're following You. Uh, you're leading. And so, may You find us faithful. May You find us obedient. May You find us listening to not the voices of the world, not those that would want to draw us away from truth, not even our own voices, because... Our own voices will betray us at times. But God, may we hear Your still, small voice right now. Holy Spirit, I just pray that You would do an amazing work in this place today for those that are listening. May You do a work. May You, may you set the captives free today those that are spiritually in bondage, those that are spiritually enslaved, God, I pray, would You set them free? And so, Lord, we give You the praise for what You're about to do. May I decrease, may You increase. Hide me behind the shadows of the cross so all we see is You, Jesus. And we pray this with confident expectation. We're expecting You, God, to do something right now. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Acts 20, and let's just jump right in to the message. The title there in your notes, as you'll see, in verses 28 through 31 of Acts is a question, and I think it's a very important question. And the question is, am I, make it personal, am I on my guard spiritually? We know that the enemy, Satan, has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And so the question is, am I, are you, or are you on your guard? If your guard is down, it's going to be tough sledding in the spiritual life, isn't it? I mean, this isn't overly high theology here. This is just rubber meets the road, Christianity 101. Are you on your guard? 
If you're a true believer in Christ, I've said this ad nauseum, but I'm going to say it again, Satan hates you. Like, he hates you, like, with a vengeance. And he's going to do everything in his power to get you off the narrow road, to get you away from narrow way living. Are you, am I, are we on our spiritual guard? Well, let's see what the Word has to say. Just four verses today. And here's what it says. Acts 20, 28 through 31. Read along with me as we treasure and savor the Word of God. Here's what Dr. Luke says about Paul recounting. 28, talking to the Ephesian elders. Remember from last week, elders. We talked about that in depth, what that looks like. A biblical elder we're going to continue today. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. We'll explain that here in a moment. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Now look at 29. There's a warning here. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Lastly, 31. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years, wow, it's a long time, for three years I did not Cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Church, this is the Word of God. And all God's people said, Amen. If you were with us the last gathering, I'm glad you were. If you weren't, we started talking about elders. Biblical eldership. Why? Well, Paul, out of that gate, you remember, was addressing the Ephesian elders. And so many people think that elders are old people in the Bible. Well, in the New Testament, when Paul is directing Timothy and he's directing Titus, 1 Peter, we saw, that's not referring to old people. It's referring to godly men that put spiritual things first. That's it. Not the most famous business guy, not the most successful businessman, not the guy that has the biggest house or drives the nicest car. We're talking about godly men that all they want is to live for Jesus. It can be hard to find those kind of guys, can't it? And yet, Paul modeled so beautifully, if you remember, by his spiritual example, that being a fully devoted Christ follower is not about your plans for your life. 
That's kind of the, the launch pad. Being a true follower of Jesus Christ is not about your plans for your life. Being a true follower of Jesus Christ is about God's plans for your life. And boy, is there a tug of war going on in that world today, isn't there? Do I really want to give God everything? Remember we talked about that a couple times ago, I think it was, where the question is not, what are you willing to give God? The real question is, what are you not willing to give Him? You'll find out where you are spiritually. I will find out where I am spiritually when I answer that one simple question. Truthfully, don't lie, right? Truthfully, what am I not willing to give God? And whatever that answer is, you fill in that blank, will show you where you are spiritually. Now, the great news is, if, if you're way down <laughs> on the spiritual meter, hey, failure in itself is not the issue. It's what you do next that matters. As long as you've got breath in your lungs and blood in your veins, you can surrender all to Jesus right now, amen? And there's nothing greater. There's nothing greater. There's nothing greater. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life, period. Giving everything to Jesus. I've never met one person who gave everything to Jesus and at the end of their life looked at me and said that was a waste. I've looked at a lot of people that gave part of their life to Jesus and at the end of their life they looked at me with tears in their eyes and said, why didn't I give everything to Jesus? Let's see here what Paul tells us in verse 28. As Paul often referred to himself as a prisoner of Jesus he risked everything. 28. Here's what he says to these elders. Pay careful attention. That means be on your guard. To who? Not a trick question. What's your Bible say? To who? Yourselves. Okay. And to all the flock in which the who? Holy Spirit has made you overseers. That word there is interchangeable in the Greek language, but it means pastor, elders, shepherds, overseers. It's all interchangeable. To do what? To care for, to shepherd, to watch over, to protect the church of God, which He, this is so key, which He, okay, here it is, which He, which God through Jesus Christ obtained, which He, God through Jesus Christ, purchased. He, he, he paid the ransom. There was a ransom note. And for you that have given your life to Jesus Christ, that had your name on it, and as you gave your life to Christ, that ransom got paid, Amen. Aren't you glad it did? He died the death you should have died. He paid the debt you should have paid. You ever had someone who just saw it on a show just the other night, just dawned on me. I saw a show the other night, and sure enough, there was a guy who was in financial trouble, and he had a friend, and the, the friend just kind of out, of out of nowhere swooped in and, and paid the debt. Powerful, isn't it? 
So take it to the infinite spiritual degree that the God through Jesus and Christ alone, my hope is found. And nothing else. He, God through Jesus, paid your debt. Make it personal. If you don't make it personal, it won't have the meaning it's intended to have. So it's interesting. Look at this verse. Let's kind of dissect this verse. So what kind of attention? Right at the beginning of the verse. Pay careful attention. Be on your guard. Be on your spiritual guard to yourselves and to the flock. Now, again, as we said last week, you can take these same principles that are intended for elders, pastors, overseers, and you can apply them to yourself. Matter of fact, you should. Every true believer should be paying careful attention to themselves first. Boy, it's so easy to pay attention to everybody else, isn't it? <laughs> so easy to go, oh man, <laughs> I got my tweezers out and you got, you got a splinter in your eye. Meanwhile, we got a whole forest growing out of our own, right? But it's so easy to look at others and not look in the mirror. Pay careful attention. So is Paul saying to focus on financial matters? Is that what he's saying here? Is Paul saying that uh, focus on physical church buildings? Is that what he's saying here? Is Paul saying to focus on just strategies and methods? Is that what he's saying here? What Paul is saying here is to focus on self-examination spiritually. That's what he's saying. Well, when you read Titus and you read there in 1 Timothy chapter 3, which we did last week, even 1 Peter 5 from last time together, again, all the qualifications have nothing to do with how successful the man is in the eyes of man. It has everything to do with who he is spiritually. And when that guy shows up on the scene and starts implementing spiritual things, if spiritual things have not been the foremost thing, the forefront thing that, that's been going on in the past, there's going to be a conflict. Like a massive nuclear bomb's going to go off. And what happens is those that really want spiritual things will be shown, and those that don't will be exposed by the Lord. Again, the number one role of an elder is spiritual. Don't ever miss that. Everything, 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 everything else is secondary. By the way, if you deal with all the spiritual things and just take care of the spiritual things, here's what I've learned in all these years, everything else will take care of itself. Everything will take care of itself, but so many churches a day are doing everything backwards, just backwards. They're not denying the Lord. No one's coming out and saying, hey, we're worshiping Satan. But you will know if spiritual things are being put first. You will know. A frequent scheme of the enemy, I wrote this down. I said, many professing believers will verbally affirm the truth. They won't deny it. But when biblical truth is taught, you will quickly see who just affirms it verbally and who actually has surrendered to it. 
And when this happens, those who are not surrendered to the Word of God truthfully will go to unimaginable lengths to protect their charade and not be exposed. And let the gaslighting begin as the we will protect our reputations at all costs valve gets opened. The assault on the truth is not a frontal assault. The assault on the truth is much more covert. It's from the side and from the back and underneath and from the bushes. And if you're going to assault the truth of God's Word, you have to assault those who are speaking the truth of God's Word. And this is exactly what Paul is referencing in these four verses. Matter of fact, write down key number one in your notes. Write this down. Biblical elders are to pay careful spiritual attention to themselves first, and then to the church. Biblical elders must place being Bible truth driven above all. Now again, this is going to cost dearly. I try to warn the young guys, my sons who are in ministry, other young guys I know, I'm like, I'm just going to tell you straight up. Like, if you think somehow you're going to stand in a pulpit and preach the Word of God with fearless conviction, and Satan and his minions are not going to come against you, oh man, you've signed up for the wrong thing. Take it to the bank. That check is going to cash. And then again, you know by now, how much of the, and we're going to see this in a moment, how much of the truth do you have to twist and distort to make it a lie? Just enough. Well, if you, could, if you could just twist it about whoever, and then let whoever, the undiscerning people who don't actually know the facts, they weren't in the room when the situation even happened, and so they're just listening, and then they're running with the lure, and Satan's over in the corner going, this is easy, this is easy. Notice, by the way, here, church, that the elders is plural again. No one person can do this. No one person should, according to Scripture. And the elders, as you know, are to feed the flock, to teach, and to protect the flock, warn. It's interesting how if we're not careful, we can add our own definition to what biblical elders are supposed to do. They're to teach and to warn. Those are the two primary objectives as they're in deep prayer. And church, this is for me and for you, but if you are not truth-driven, if you are not Bible-driven, if you're not saturated in the Word, if you're not prayer-focused, if you're not Christ-centric, when the arrows, not if, but when the arrows are slinging at you, when the bullets are flying at you, if you're not those things, you're going to bend. You're going to compromise. You're going to be looking for exit ramps. By the way, this is, I think, just a great leadership principle for anybody. I mean, if you're a mom, you've got kids, you're a leader. If you're a dad, you've got kids, you're a leader. You're a teacher. You're a leader. I mean, on and on we could go with example. You're a leader. People are looking at you like they're looking at you. They're counting on you. Counting on you. 
And I go right here, we can apply this to everyone. Anyone in leadership, you cannot give away that which you yourself do not possess. And boy, does that apply to the spiritual world. I want my kids to love Jesus. Do you? I want my kids and grandkids to be committed to Jesus. I don't understand my grandkids, and maybe you're thinking of them right now, and when, when Timmy and Susie uh, were, were six, and they walked an aisle, and they, they said a prayer, and they, sure enough, you know what happened? They, they ended up bowing their eyes and closing their heads. And you're like, <laughs> why don't they love Jesus? Question to you. Have you surrendered your life to Christ? It's hard to give away truly which you and I don't possess spiritually. And remember, if you're shallow in the Word, if you're shallow in prayer, if you're shallow in pursuing obedience, if you're shallow in pursuing righteousness, if you're shallow in pursuing holiness, if, if you're shallow in making Sunday morning and Wednesday nights a guarded time that you protect it like an appointment, and man, I want to be there, and I just want to be in the fellowship to, to learn, to be taught, to, to be protected from the, from the fierce wolves. And if you're shallow... If you're shallow in these things, the people that you lead will most likely be shallow as well. And just like every biblical elder, every, every, every true believer is called to die. You're called to die. I was asked recently, what, what is biblical discipleship? I said, that's easy. The Bible says, Jesus said, if you want to be one of my disciples, you must deny you, take up your cross, and follow me wherever I lead you. I'll draw a crowd, won't it? Matter of fact, I just saw a, an article recently that stated that we are in a discipleship crisis. <laughs> I read that, and, and I think even out loud, I said, thanks, Sherlock. I had no idea. Yeah, we are. And I've heard this now for years from pastors even. And the conclusion I've come to, it's hard to make a disciple of someone who's never given their life to Jesus. If the bar is so low, if we really aren't telling people the cost of following Christ, if people aren't really just analyzing that and weighing that out, is Jesus really worth it? Is He worth it? I know He is. I know He is. Here's some spiritual first aid from the Word. I'm going to give you several verses. Get that pen, pencil, or mascara stick ready. 
That was for women only, of course. I've got to clarify things in this culture, don't you? Do you know God made them male and female? Do you know how I know that? The Bible tells me so. Proverbs chapter 4, 23 through 27. Proverbs 4, under the key number 1. Write it down. Study these later. I give these to you, by the way, so you can study them through the week. Proverbs 4, 23, 27. Keep your heart with all what? Help me. Vigilance. But you're on your guard. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away. Oh, that's good. Put away means this. Crucify. Like crucify. Put away. Put away from you crooked speech. And put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Verse 25 of Proverbs 4. Ponder, meditate on the path of your feet. Where are your feet carrying you today? I'll tell you where they're carrying you, what your mind is thinking on. Then all your ways will be sure. 27, do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Wow, it's good, isn't it, church? First Peter, write this down, chapter 5, 8 through 9. Under this key number one, paying spiritual attention, the biblical elder does, but also ourselves, the Christian. Be sober-minded, be, be clear-minded, be watchful, be on your guard, be watching, be looking at, like dads especially, man, you're, you're the, the spiritual leader of your home, and so be on your guard. You're like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, I think I see the enemy over there. Oh, he's over here, wait a minute. Dads, if a physical robber came in your house today, what are you going to do? Show them where your kids are sleeping? Oh, here, here's, here's my wife's in here. That's what you're going to do? Of course not. And yet spiritually, we often do this as dads and grandpas. My kids are in the other room. My wife's over there. Be on your guard. Be watchful. Be vigilant. Why? Here's what it says. Look at this so clearly. Your adversary, the devil. He's not your buddy. He's not your friend. Not some little guy in a red suit with a pitchfork, funny eyebrows, and a goatee. That's not Satan. He's a cosmopolitan of light, is what the Bible says. He looks good. Your adversary of the devil, he prowls, he's prowling like a roaring lion seeking someone not to play patty cake with, not just a pet. Come here, kitty. He hates you if you're a Christian. He's looking to kill you to devour you, to destroy you. What do you do? Verse 9, 1 Peter 5. Resist him. How? Firm in your faith. Mm. Knowing with confidence that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Isn't that amazing? 
That African lion, that's 500 pounds. Somehow God designed it that the paws are, are so sensitive. And as it goes through that African brush, you can hardly hear the beast. You can hardly hear the beast until the beast is literally hanging over its prey. Spiritually, how often does that happen in our lives if we're not careful? He's slithered in. Like carbon monoxide, we don't taste it, we don't smell it, we don't see it, but the sin is killing us. And he pounces, and then you look up and you got a train wreck at home, in the marriage, individually, at your church, all because we weren't spiritually on guard. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 Verse 12, therefore, Paul talking again to the church in Corinth. That was a messed up church. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Ooh, that's good, isn't it? That's really good. Man, if you're here thinking that you know, you're kind of the sauce, be careful, be careful. God does not use, and He's not looking for the blue chippers God uses weak, broken people. That's who God's looking for. Because Galatians 6.3 says it like this, For if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives who? Wow. That's actually in the Bible? Yeah, that's right in the Bible. So if I, if you, if we think we're something... Signing eight by ten glossies, flipping them out there, just flying around the world. I'm something. No, I'm not. You're not. We're nothing compared to Jesus. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, every minute, every second, every zeptosecond. I need you, Jesus. Because Jesus. You're my one defense, and you're my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. Oh God, how I need you. You know, church, I was thinking about this thought under this key one. We cannot control everything that God is going to do in every situation. Amen? Amen? True? We can't, I can't control what God's going to do in every situation. But every one of us can control our own obedience in every situation. You can't control, I can't control what God's sovereign plan is. I can control my obedience as I hear God speaking to my life, you hear God speaking to your life. We're going to be on the hook for that. Great white throne judgment, perhaps, don't want to be in that line, but even at the beam of judgment seat, we're going to give an account. Every idle word, wow, oh boy, that's going to be fun, isn't it? We must be spiritually on our guard. If you're going to be spiritually well, and I cannot understand, I, 
I guess I can't understand, but I can't, how so many people that I've met over the years that are in what we call kind of the fourth quarter of life are not finishing spiritually well. It just blows my mind. Like, how can you not get to those final years and go, (laughs) got enough wisdom to figure out that all the stuff of this life will never fill that void, and so I'm going to spend every waking moment living Christ, missionary sacrifice. It just blows my mind, and it, it burdens me. It deeply, deeply burdens me. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. See, church, when God moves in power, I want you to look here at this this verse again, verse 28. When God moves in power, your obedience, my obedience, is the kindling that ignites, that fuels, that stokes the spiritual fire. So, since that is true, what do you think disobedience is going to do? Yeah, it's going to snuff out that fire. The entire point of the Christian life for me and you is not to look towards ourselves, it's to look away from ourselves. The whole point is to look to Christ, to go, I can't do this on my best day on my best day, on your best day, put your name in this blank, on my best day, on your best day. Do you know this church? I hate to burst anyone's bubble, but here it is. Here we go. Buckle up. Put that seatbelt on. On my best day, your best day, compared to the holiness of God, I'm filthy rags. I got nothing. Here's a big bag of sin. (laughs) Here you go, Jesus. And aren't you glad that for the true believer who comes to him in humility, that as you give him your big bag of sin, that great imputation happens where Jesus says, come here, my boy. Come here, my girl. I've been waiting for this. I got a deal for you. You like a deal? I love a deal. Hey, you give me your sin and Jesus goes, I'll give you, I'll impute my righteousness to you. And as I said our last time together, there are people out there, even professing believers, that complain and bellyache that Jesus has never done anything for them. just blows my mind. Look at Acts 29. 
Next chunk. Here it is. Acts 29 of chapter 20. So Acts 20, verse 29 and 30. Let's look at this together. What does Paul tell these Ephesian elders next? So here it is. 29. I know, that means without any doubt, he knows it, his confidence, that after my departure, after Paul leaves, after the spiritual Navy SEAL leaves, so to speak, fierce, savage wolves, spiritual predators, false teachers, they look like Christians, but they're not, will come in. Where? Among you, so they're going to come in from the outside not sparing the flock, the people, the church. These people don't care about the church. They will tell you they do. They'll put on a great show. They don't care about the church. They just care about themselves. You know what happens? 30, and just not from the outside, but here's the real kicker. And from among, and from among your own selves, which is frightening, Church, there's a Judas in every crowd. Every crowd. Will arise men. They're speaking, here it is, twisted things. It means distorted and perverse. So the truth tellers who are actually standing for the truth and have the courage to do so, uh, what happens? They begin to get attacked. So the gossip and the slander and the stories, and again, you just change a little here, tweak a little here. Yeah, I really wasn't truthful in this, but it sounded good. So I went ahead and said it, and boom. The reputations are now destroyed, never get them back. What you do rest in, I tell the younger guys going into ministry, I say, here's what you do rest in. You rest in this, that God is the keeper of your reputation. God will keep it. And they speak these twisted, distorted, perverse, not sexually perverse. Perverse just means tainted, not right not true. Why? Here it is. To draw away. There it is. To draw, to pull away, to tear away, to rip away the disciples after who? Themselves. They want the affirmation. They want the attaboys. They want the applause. They don't want to give it to Jesus. Boy, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? Doesn't this sound familiar? Who are you thinking of? I'll tell you what I'm thinking of. Satan. Jesus, you got what I want. I'm not bowing down to you. I want first chair. That's where I want to sit. And boy, the spiritual war began to rage. Because Satan is the greatest narcissist that has ever lived. And he has many that are following him. Even those that are wearing sheep's costumes. The people who are wearing the wolf's clothing will seek to discredit those who are the true Christ followers. And church, you've heard me say this before, but let's just say it again. Hopefully you have your Bible with you. If you don't, I've said this before, but if you need a Bible, let us know. We'll give you one free. Love to give you a Bible. Maybe use a digital Bible. Uh, God still loves you. You're still good. I'm old school. I like the, the paper Bible. But, but as I hold up this Bible that is true, that the Word of God is true, amen? 
that we stand for the Word of God. It's the Holy Word of God. Church, how will you, when you go out there, when you go all out there, you're out there running around doing your thing, how, when you're out there, will you know what's false out there if you first don't know what's true in here, the Bible? And I've seen so many people make stupid decisions. I'm talking stupid, stupid, dumb. That have impacted people because they were biblically undiscerning. They listened to foolish, twisted talk about someone. And then those people that listened made spiritual, dumb decisions based on what they heard. It just blows my mind. But this is what Satan does. So, with that, write down key number two. Key number two, biblical elders must be prepared for the reality that fierce spiritual wolves will come into the church from the outside, but also from the inside. Biblical elders, key number two, and this is for us as well, just lay people, must be prepared for the reality that fierce spiritual wolves will come into the church from the outside, yes, but also from the inside. Church, here's the real deal. I think in this Americanized culture, we do see where the wolves will infiltrate from the outside and come in, but I believe at least where we are in this season of life, I believe that most churches that get destroyed, they get destroyed from the inside. Hey, we want to do spiritual things. Then you get people who, from the outside, we love Jesus, but we really want control, but we really want power. And when that's called into question and all the chips are on the table, now you got a mess on your hands. Spiritual things, church, spiritual. You know this by now. Help me on this phrase. Where God is working, so is Satan. Take it to the bank. The harder you run after Jesus in your marriage. Use your marriage as an example. Hey, uh, you know, I'm the guy and, and she's the wife, you say. And, okay, we're going to run hard after Jesus. And, and that, we love that, by the way. That's a great thing, right? Do you really think Satan's going to look at you guys and go, hey, let me get the door for you? He is coming after you. He's going to try to destroy everything you do for Jesus in that union of one man and one woman, according to Scripture. He's always on the attack. That's what he does. He just, he's constantly on the attack. Uh, someone asked me the other day, they, they said, you know, what's your life like? I just kind of chuckled at that. I've never had anyone ask me that, at least recently. They said, what's your life like? I said, here's the best way I can describe it. You guys ever have like a screen, not a screen door, but like a glass door, like going out to a patio? There's like two doors and they slide. You know what I'm talking about? They have the little locky thingies. You know the locky thingies? You guys ever go to the hardware store and say, I need some locky thingies? You know, talk about those locky thingies, right? You push them up, and they go down, they're locky thingies. And sure enough, but it's glass. And sure enough, uh, I can remember this happening where this was at another house many, many years ago, different state, but, but there was this dog that would constantly, like fiercely, just be clawing at the glass door. <laughs> I said, that's what my life's like. The Satan is constantly clawing at the door. Now, here's a, a great way to look at this. Take it as a compliment. He doesn't claw at the glass doors of people that are already working for him. 
So he's clawing at your glass door of your marriage, of your life, of your kids, of your grandkids, of your church. Take it to the bank, man. You're a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Your threat. Your threat. You are a threat. So be spiritually discerning. Be spiritually discerning. Write these verses down. I'm going to warn you. There's a bunch, so just write them down. It's the Word of God. If you love the Word of God, you'll just smile. Amen? And here it is. So when the wolf gets in the sheep's pen, who decides what's for lunch is always the question, right? Well, here it is. 1 Timothy 6, 20 through 21. This is being on your guard, this thing, being on your spiritual guard. Here it is. Oh, Timothy, guard, there it is, the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid, have nothing to do with irreverent babble, all the talk and the chatter, contradictions, and what is falsely called knowledge. Oh, there we go. We label it as knowledge true, don't we? Makes us feel better. For by professing it, some have what? Swerved from the faith. What happens when you're driving on that two-lane road and you swerve over and there comes a semi? Hello, eternity, amen? And how many people on the spiritual highway are swerving? And hello, eternity, spiritually. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 8 through 9, 1 Corinthians 16, 8 through 9, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work spiritually has opened to me, comma. Those are, mm, those are five powerful words next, aren't they? And there are many, what church? Adversaries. Do you know who else is called the adversary in Scripture? Any ideas? Satan. See, they're working for their father, the father of all lies. How will you know what's false if you really don't know what's true? You won't. You'll bite it hook, line, and sinker every time. And unbeknownst to you, you're driving the getaway car from the spiritual robbery. And if you know anything about the judicial system... Even the getaway drivers go to jail. Oh, spiritually, don't let that be us. Amen? Romans 16, 17 through 18. Had to give you an easy address. Romans 16, 17. You're right. 18. There it is. Easy to remember. No excuses. I appeal to you, brothers. So he's beseeching. He's laboring. To watch out, there it is, be on your guard for those who cause divisions. We really don't want spiritual things. But if we tell you that, we're going to be exposed. Watch out for them. They create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. Don't have lunch with them. Why? For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but rather their own, there it is, their own appetites. They're feeding their own beast. They're feeding the enemy of self. Hmm. And by smooth talk, ooh, they're good talkers, aren't they? Oh, they're convincing. They're very convincing. Smooth talk and flattery. But they got to butter you up before they can give you the lure, right? 
Mm. And what happens? They deceive the hearts of the spiritually gullible and naive. How will you know what's false if you first don't know what's true? Third John, write this down, 9 through 10. Third John 9 through 10. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, there he is, here's an example, who likes to put himself first. Okay, nice. He'd make a great elder, wouldn't he? Wrong. Does not acknowledge our authority. I'm not going to submit to you. Uh-uh. I'm going to push against you. I'm going to say things about you. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. Some people would say that word wicked is harsh. Not if you're walking in holiness. And not content with that, he refuses. Not going to do it to welcome the brothers. And also stops those. Do you see this? He's not going to do it. I'm going to try to stop other people who want to. And even puts them out of the church. Wicked, wicked, wicked Diotrephes. Second hmm. Peter chapter 2. We're all over. Marinate on these later throughout the week. Second Peter 2, 1 through 3, under being on our guard. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Here we go again. Who will secretly, they're stealth, they're covert, bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master, capital M, who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed for themselves is what that means. They will exploit you, here it is, with false words. We call it darvo, right? Deflect, attack, reverse order. So the people that are actually doing the line are the actual ones who accuse you of doing the line. It's just a, a psychological tactic, it's gaslighting, etc. It's everywhere, unfortunately. But even inside churches. So what happens? Well, look what 2 Peter 2 continues to say. Verse 3, again, let me say it one more time. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. They're not true. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle. It's not asleep. And their destruction is not asleep. But what a horrible place to be. The Bible even says this, that there will be people that try to throw you out of the synagogue, you could say in the church, to make it more relevant, if you will, to our day. And they actually think they're doing God a favor by throwing you out when you're the one telling the truth. That's how deceived, delusional, the conscience has been severed, it's been seared, is what Paul would say to Timothy. Watch out, watch out. Be careful who you hang out with. Second Corinthians, maybe a few more, 11, 12 through 15. Second Corinthians 11, 12 through 15. And what I am doing, I will continue to do, this is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth, in order, here's the why. Wow, this is good to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves. They're wearing a sheep's costume, 
as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, verse 14, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel, a cosmopolitan of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. However, their end will correspond to their deeds. Wow. Mm. This is some heavy lifting, isn't it? Well, let's go deeper. Why turn back now, right? Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Beware of the false prophets. This is Jesus speaking. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They go home and they put the sheep's costume on the rack is what they do when they get home. You will recognize them by their fruits. You've heard me say this before, but time is the great exposure of who we all really are. Just give us all time. Give us all time. Give me time. Give you time. Give everybody time, and who we really are will be on full display. Well, what happens? Well, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Hmm, great question. 17, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears what church? Bad fruit. 18, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Makes sense. 19 of Matthew 7, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, 20, you will recognize them by their, what church? Fruits. There it is. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. The Bible says bad company corrupts. Be careful. Be discerning. Because who we hang out with is who we do become. Who we hang out with is who we do become. So lastly, here we are, backside of the mountain. Someone clear off the landing strip. We're coming in for a landing. And here it is. It's verse 31, Acts 20. So I want you to think of this as we lead into Acts 31. So in light of the spiritual wolves from both the outside, but also from the inside, infiltrating the church, what should be done? It's a great question, right? What do we do? What do we do? Well, look at 31, Acts 20. Therefore, in light of what was just said, always ask yourself, why is it therefore? In light of what was just said, be, shout it out, alert. Be vigilant, be on your guard, be spiritually awake, remembering that for three years, Dr. Luke is writing, but who is speaking here, would we say? Paul. For three years, I did not cease, I did not stop, night or day. Hmm. This is the depth of his passion to admonish, to exhort, to warn everyone, everybody with tears. I mean, Paul, his heart is being ripped out. If you are a dad, if you are a mom, if you are a grandparent today, 
And your children drive off a spiritual cliff. Your grandchildren drive off a spiritual cliff. And you are a true Christ follower. And that's all you want for them because you understand that's all they need in this life is to give their life totally to Christ in total surrender, in total submission. And they drive off the cliff. What does that do to your hearts? It just rips it out. It just rips out your heart. And this is Paul. His heart is being ripped out. It's being ripped out. And one of my fears, one of my fears is that there are people all over the world today inside a church house who have zero clue. I'm talking zero clue. There is a spiritual war even going on. You could remove the Holy Spirit and they would never know He was gone. Church, are you on your guard? You've got to be on your guard at your house first. If you're just on your guard on Sunday morning or an occasional Sunday morning, as I said last time together, you're not in neutral spiritually. You're actually in spiritual reverse. And you don't even know. We must be on our guard. It must be the primary focus of everything we do every day. As we get up, and all we want is Jesus, and all we want is to be obedient, all we want is to walk in holiness. That's why key number three, our final key, says it like this, and here it is. Biblical elders, again, we're just taking this from the text. Paul's speaking to the Ephesian elders, and we're just pulling this from the text, nothing overly creative. Biblical elders must be spiritually alert at all times, on their guard and be willing to warn and plead with the church of impending spiritual danger. Spiritually keeping watch. Spiritually being on your guard. And yes, every true believer can imitate those principles. Every true believer should be spiritually on your guard constantly. Where's the enemy? Where, Where is he? Wait a minute. Where's the chink in my armor? Where am I weak? Oh, that, boy, you know what? Ah, I'm jealous of that person. Oh, I can't believe they got that. I want what they have. Oh, there's, there's a weakness. I've got to be on my guard. On and on we could go. You fill in the blank. Be on your guard. Be on your guard. If you don't, he's going to jump in. And once he jumps in, it's not that you can't come back. Oh, you can. But often, the damage is severe. Every person, here it is, every person, every person, in every moment of every day, you got one of two choices. Every person, every moment, every day, you got one of two choices. Choose God or choose sin. That's it. Every moment, every day. Is God enough in this moment? Like, is God enough? Nah, he's just not enough for me right now. I need this. 
I need this relationship. I need this house. I need this car. And you're, you're constantly on this, this search and this strain to, to fill the void. God's enough, church. He's enough. J.C. Ryle said it so well, guard your thoughts and there will be little fear about your actions, end quote. I'll preach, amen. Guard your thoughts, the battlefield of the mind, the data center where we make all our decisions. Guard your thoughts and oh yes, this is so true and there'll be little fear about your actions. And I've been thinking so much a lot about how the culture is so uncommitted, and we've talked about this, and how it's infiltrated homes and lives and churches, and how this uncommitment has sunk its fangs, just sunk its fangs, and, and the poison, the poison, the poison from the fangs is, is killing so many. Just be uncommitted. Just do what you want. That's why I ask myself and I ask you, do our actions challenge and inspire those around you and I to be more committed to Christ or more uncommitted to Christ? Do my actions, do your actions, do they inspire people? Do people leave the conversation with you and me and they go, I want to be more like Jesus? That's the goal. That's the aim, amen? So let me give you some supporting verses, and we'll close. Here they are. Here's supporting verses, key number three. For biblical elders being spiritually alert, Christians being spiritually alert, but also warning people. Warning. Got to warn them. And here it is. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 2. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore... In light of what was said in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us do this, do this, let us also lay aside, cast off every weight and every sin which so clings so closely, so easily ensnares, and let us do this, and let us run with what church? Endurance, the race that is set before us. And here's the whole key here. What's it say there? What's what's it say next? Looking to Jesus. There it is. That is it. Like right now in your life, if you're not content, right now in your life, you're like, this peace thing, P-E-A-C-E is just escaping me. In your life today, if you're like, I just don't understand. Everything's falling apart in my life, and I don't understand how a good God could allow this disaster into my life. Here's your key. Stop looking at yourself and start looking to Jesus. I'll change everything. I mean, overnight. There's the king. All his glory. He died for me. I'm giving him my life as my life is no longer my own. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, I don't, I, every time I read this, I don't get it. Who for the joy that was set before him, I do get it, but I don't in my flesh. What joy. He endured the cross. That's joyful. Despising the shame. How's that joyful? And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I would say that's joyful. Amen? See, obedience is joyful. Disobedience leads to a temporary high through sin. But as the old phrase goes, it always takes us far 
far longer than we ever wanted to go, and it will require a price far greater than we ever wanted to pay. That's why 2 Peter chapter 1 there's a second Peter this time, chapter 1, 5 through 8. For this very reason, Peter says, make every effort, do this, be obedient, to supplement your faith with what? With virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Here it is, verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing sanctification, ongoing change, becoming more like Jesus, they keep you, here it is, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today going, man, my life I'm not effective for the Lord at all. I'm not bearing good fruit. There it is. They're going to keep you from being spiritually ineffective, from being spiritually unfruitful. How do you do this? You look to Christ. You abide in the true vine. There's false vines everywhere, clamoring, calling our names. False vines, false vines, false vines. Jesus goes, I'm over here. Right here. Right here. Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. Abide in me and you'll be effective for the kingdom. Because Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says it like this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Hmm. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. As a pastor, I don't know if there's any one verse in the Scripture that haunts me more than that verse. I mean, some of you are trying to watch out for the soul of one kid, one grandkid. Imagine trying to watch out for everybody. Because I'm going to give an account, and I don't take this lightly. I don't care what is said about me. I do care what's said about me from the Lord. And I'm willing to pay that price. Romans chapter 2, 5 through 8. Listen to this warning. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, that means refusing to repent. You are storing up for yourselves wrath on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one, every person according to what his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor, immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, there it is, me, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. There will be wrath and fury. Church, lastly, I'm going to give you this chunk from Matthew chapter 7. Here it is, the last one. Write it down. Matthew 7, 15 through 27, under this key number three, being spiritually alert, warning, pleading with others. There's danger ahead. There's danger. 
and they're doing this crazy work when you look at this, because everyone then who hears these words of mine, look at that, it's so good. Everyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, 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 oh, this is so good. Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Get away from me. But everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them obeys will be like, will be like a wise man who built his house, built, built his house on the rock and, and the rain. Oh, it was so good. And the rain, what happened? And the rain fell and the, the floods came and they blew and beat against that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, they disobey. I don't want to do this, God. I don't want to do what you're telling me to do. Maybe right now you're going, I don't want to do this. Okay? Here's what you're signing up for. Don't want to do it. We're going to be like a foolish man. We're going to be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was its, help me church, fall. And great was its fall. Here's the cliff notes. If you're not on your guard spiritually, if you are not on your guard spiritually, Satan is going to eat you for lunch. So why don't today we be on our guard spiritually like never before, amen? Let's guard our homes, let's guard our lives, let's guard our marriages, guard the church. Let's be the men and women that God has called us to be, amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you, we worship you, there's none like you. And in this time where we sing, this time where we reflect, this time where we ask you, Lord, what is it I'm not willing to give you? What is it, Lord, that I'm hanging on to that that I think will bring me what only you can bring me. And that's what it is right there. We hang on to stuff thinking that it's somehow going to bring us, God, what only you can bring us. That's a Holy Spirit all over this place for those that are listening. I pray you move in power for that one that has never given their life to you. God, I pray today they will surrender and stop pushing back, stop disobeying. Oh, I pray that people might know that this Jesus is the Christ. Oh, Lord, whatever you want us to do right now, find us faithful. Find us faithful right now. And God, to you be the praise. And God, to you be the glory. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.